Well, recently on McBlog, I shared about two great developments. One was the UK's Tavistock Transgender Clinic being shut down by the UK Ministry of Health after a review found it's not safe for children. Yep, not safe. And that there's insufficient evidence to recommend puberty blockers. And also that uh, medics at Tavistock had felt under pressure to adopt an unquestioning affirmative approach to gender identity rather than going through the normal process of clinical assessment. And this came at the same time as the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA in the US, had just issued a warning label about the risk of puberty blockers. Um, and then there was this story about an Australian woman who sued a psychiatrist over a gender transition. Sydney woman, Jay Langadino, is now 31, no longer identifying as male, so she's reverted back to her biological sex, is suing her psychiatrist for professional negligence. And she claims the psychiatrist failed to take precautions and avoid the risk of harm in the nature of the loss of her breasts, uterus, fallopian tubes, and ovaries. But now there's a new pushback, and it's from medical experts. Let's check it out. So this excellent article was written by Dr. Sarah Donovan, and it was published on the independent newsroom platform here in New Zealand. Dr. Donovan is an honorary research fellow in the Department of Public Health at the University of Otago, Wellington. And in her article, uh, Dr. Donovan discusses a New Zealand media silence and highlights the astonishing contrast between what our Ministry of Health says about puberty blockers versus what the UK Ministry of Health, the NHS, says. Now, New Zealand's Ministry of Health says this, that puberty blockers are safe, they're reversible, and they may be used from early puberty through to later adolescence to help ease the distress. Now, that's according to New Zealand Ministry of Health. But in contrast, the UK National Health Service is much more circumspect about puberty blockers. It says little is known about the long-term side effects of hormonal puberty blockers in children with gender dysphoria, uh, and that although the Gender Identity Development Service advises it's physically reversible, it is not known what the psychological effects may be, and it's also not known whether hormone, hormone blockers affect the development of the teenage brain or children's bones. Wow not knowing whether hormone blockers affect the development of the teenage brains or children's bones. I mean, just ponder on that for a moment, as that is truly frightening. But then, in last week's edition of the New Zealand Listener was this essay by Charlotte Paul, who was Emeritus Professor in the Department of Preventive and Social Medicine at the University of Otago. And it was actually reprinted in the New Zealand Herald, which increased its publicity, uh, but not on the Stuff website or Radio New Zealand, etc., of course, because they don't allow dissenting opinions on this issue, which tells you everything about those media outlets. But I just want to read some extracts from this article. Uh, and it says this, and it, what it starts with is key. It says, I am writing this article because my colleagues pleaded with me to do so. My younger colleagues, in particular, know they can't speak out because it could potentially damage their reputations. I mean, that sentence alone is a shocker, isn't it? I'm a medical epidemiologist and my relevant background is research on sexual and reproductive health, the safety of medicines and the ethics of research. 
My colleagues approached me because they're concerned about the increase in the rapid, rapid increase in the use of hormones to suppress normal puberty in children and young people who express discomfort with their biological sex. They're especially concerned that the grounds for accessing these hormones have widened greatly. How do we know this is doing more good than harm? My colleagues are seeing in their clinics young people who have changed their minds about wanting to transition away from their biological sex and who also have serious mental health problems that have been left unaddressed. Key statement, unaddressed, not dealing with the comorbid, comorbid disorders. Goes on, they doubt whether there is sufficient psychological assessment for children with gender dysphoria before they are prescribed puberty blockers to help distinguish those who will remain transgender from those for whom it is a phase. They also question the capacity of children to consent to the intervention, they are worried about a lack of knowledge of long-term harm and benefits. Uh, and then it continues, and it talks about the fact there's been a big increase in the trend of, it used to be boys who wanted to be girls, but the massive increase, explosion, in the number of girls who want to identify as boys, as males, and yet the overwhelming majority of them grow out of it once they go through puberty. And they talk about the major complication and that there's uh, that most of those that go on puberty blockers, they say that it's a way of pausing until they make the decision. But the fact of the matter is that most young people who go on puberty blockers advance to cross-sex hormones. Uh, and of course, they refer to the UK case, Kira Bell. She also refers to the fact that the Ministry of Health say that puberty blockers are safe and reversible, and yet that's not the opinion of the UK health authorities. Also talks about Sweden undergoing a review as well. Here's the interesting bit. She says, last year I wrote to the Minister of Health, Ministry, Minister of Health asking whether the ministry was planning to review the use of puberty blocking hormones for gender dysphoria. In December, I received a reply. So she wrote in April. She heard back in December. Tells you everything. In December, I re received a reply that it wasn't. And it was, quote, a matter for discussion between a treating clinician and their patient. Remember, this is a child. Ensuring that patients are fully informed of their options, including any benefits, risks, and alternatives to make an informed choice and give informed consent. She then goes on to say she also asked about psychological assessment before prescription of puberty blockers which has been an issue that's been raised recently by the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Psychiatrists. The reply from the ministry did not address the question, making only the same general statement about informed consent. But I found another huge complication. New Zealand's current medical guidelines are labelled as gender-affirming and imply that the experience of being trans is a fixed state. And the increase in number is because the social environment now allows trans expression. In this case, no psychological exploration is called for. But then she says, but trans is not a fixed state, as childhood studies and the experience of detransitioners show. It is a truism that puberty is a time of flux. There are also new and pervasive influ influences in the social environment, uh, especially outlined even in schools, which makes psychological exploration particularly important. And let me just close with her final quote here. You need to read the whole article. It says, In New Zealand, in the face of this real uncertainty about both benefits and harms and the lack of safeguards and monitoring, 
why has the Ministry of Health not commissioned a review? The specialists who wrote the New Zealand gender-affirming guidelines, I wouldn't call them specialists, I'd call them activists, many of them at Waikato University and in a particular unit there, they're associated with the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, or WPATH, which is a very radical document, and it's all about pushing young people to be transgender. She says finally in this article, the current idea that gender identity must be affirmed as well as respected has given no room for the possibility that adopting a trans identity, encouraged by social media, may be a passing phase or a temporary answer to a complex identity issue. Hence, I want to stress the separate moral consideration. Oh, moral. There's a new issue. The moral consideration. The protection of the best interests of children. Health authorities around the world are formally reviewing guidance in the sensitive area. It is time for New Zealand to get up to speed. Great article. We'd encourage you to read it. It's in the New Zealand Listener, but it was also on the New Zealand Herald website. And we'll put a link to it in the comments section of this McBlog. But the red flags are increasing. And look, it's time that the politicians got off their ideological activists and political bandwagons opened their eyes, and actually thought of the children. If their ideology can't withstand scrutiny, the same scrutiny that countries overseas are applying, then it proves that they're more interested in pushing a dangerous narrative than in acting in the best interests of our young people. (laughs) 